grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for your goodness. And we pray that you would uh, help us gather here for your glory to to raise up a, a wonderful, wonderful worship to you. Help us to partake of, of, of your heavenly goodness, Lord. Give us all wisdom and, and, and just help us to, to know that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins, Lord. That if we come to you, you do forgive us. And, and that is just glorious and wonderful. Help us to understand that and to worship you in spirit and truth. So let's turn in our pew Bibles to Psalm 3. That should be in the mid-400s there. I forgot to bookmark it. Yep, that would be page 448 for you. Psalm 3. This is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, There is no salvation for him in God, Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. So is the reading of the Old Testament, the Word of God. Now let's turn... In our few Bibles to Mark chapter 3. Started the very beginning of setting up his, his kingdom. He's setting up Jesus as, as started setting up the structures, the foundation of his kingdom, naming the twelve apostles. So now we're at page 838, chapter 3 of Mark, verse 20. And This scripture, this section of scripture is an example of the contention continuing to grow. We've been talking about that, but it's very real. It keeps on getting more and more contentious with uh, seemingly every section, every chapter. From every direction, and we see that most fully here, from every direction, this contention grows. And this should not surprise us. This has been the case for the people of God since Abel, Noah, Moses, David, the prophets, Christ himself, of course, the apostles, Athanasius against the world, Luther, Calvin, and, and it goes on and on. The people of God are always contended with from every every direction. It is to be expected, not accepted. It's to be expected. Yet, even in this contention, Christ makes clear who his family is, his real family. 
and we can get great comfort as we go through this passage and its difficulty in understanding that we can still be comforted because of who we are in Christ. So, here's the word of the Lord, page 838. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand in a house. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men. And whatever blasphemies they are, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside, seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my mother, my brother and sister and mother. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it to our hearts for your glory. Amen. So, this starts off with with his friends and family coming to seize Jesus. The crowds have, have gathered again. It's seemingly he's at a house because he's wanting to, to have supper or lunch or have some kind of food. And and the crowd besieges the house. Uh, you know, wherever he goes, because of his preaching and miracles, the, the throngs, the great crowds come and 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 these crowds are, are, are pressing crowds. We've seen before that he has to step into a, a boat uh, to get off of the shore to keep from being crushed by the crowds. And, <clears throat> and so, you know, these crowds are, are demanding. They're not docile. Crowds can be very dangerous. We've seen that many times in, throughout history, and, and, and they can be dangerous in ways that we don't necessarily expect. And here is just this dangerous in the... In the idea that Christ can't even sit and have a meal with his disciples, you know, they're used to reclining back in the in the Middle East and, and having a meal, and, and and they can't even eat. And, and so, you know, his family is is coming to seize him, and that's kind of more the word. This is the, the same word as used when the Roman soldiers seize Christ uh, for his crucifixion, and. Uh, and they're worried, and it's not entirely unreasonable that they wouldn't be worried, of course, if he's not eating, uh, if they believe that he's not, you know, being, getting any sustenance whatsoever. This this makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, which of you mothers out here would hear of your your child not eating? That would not immediately go to them and 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 fix that. 
But it also tells us that they believe he's out of his mind. And in that day, that was commonly said of those who uh, they believed were demon-possessed. They would say that they were out of their minds. So it's not altogether uh, difficult to believe that the section we're just getting ready to come up to, that that word about you know Jesus being accused of being demon-possessed hasn't kind of already gotten out into the wider community and 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 certainly, uh, you know, we know that 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 Mary knew of Christ from his birth and 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 loved her son and knew that was she was told he was going to be the savior. So we know Mary probably isn't believing that he's he's demon possessed, but she wants to feed him. His siblings that we learn about later on, especially in the scriptures, you know, they, they have a more difficult path. Uh, they, uh, many of them don't, don't believe until much later. And then, of course, we have a couple of them writing, writing epistles in the New Testament. So it takes them a while. But the, I think the, the picture here is that uh, you've got you know, family and friends and, and maybe extended family, and Mary's come with them because Joseph is, is apparently out of the picture at this point. Otherwise, it would have been Joseph that would have gone. Uh, he would have had the authority or an older brother and we know that Jesus was the eldest of the siblings and so it had to be Mary along with her her children she having the authority so it's difficult to completely figure out but uh, uh, but they're also seemingly wanting to kind of protect the, the family name if in fact they believe that that Jesus is is in some way out of his mind, whether that's because they believe he has demons or just is uh, for whatever reason that they would want to protect the family name that was so important back back in that day. So now he's got his those closest to him are are coming to seize him and. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem. The scribes, a subset of Pharisees, they were the ones really who dug deep into the law. And they come and say, He is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. This is a reckless and spiritually dangerous accusation. And well, well, Jesus will make that point later in his response here. But that is just a, a, an incredible turn of events. And But we see that they are generally in agreement with, with Jesus' family and friends that, that there's something crazy going on. Uh, he's out of his mind in some way. And so this is a, a, a dog pile on Jesus. Friends and family and Pharisees all want to mute him, all want to seize him, to get him for different reasons. The, the family probably for uh, personal family reputation and, and, and the Pharisees because, because of power. Jesus is, is getting the crowds after them and, and they're not following the Pharisees as much. 
But what's really happening here, I think, is, uh, well, strike that. doesn't matter what I think. What seems to be happening here is the Pharisees are, are, are projecting their sin, their wickedness, on to Jesus. They are in league with Beelzebub. Not Jesus. And we see this, this tactic used prominently in the world today. There's uh, uh, one uh, political philosopher whose books, book is widely used, Rules for Radicals. He died decades ago. Um, but he used this, this was prominent attack he would have his people use. Uh, and in fact, the, the book was dedicated to Satan at the very front of the book. You know, this dedicated to, to Lucifer, the first radical. And the point is, is that you attack your opponent by accusing them of what you do, and that provides you with cover. And it gets them off balance. Now we've had presidents and, and such who, who followed this, uh, this political philosopher and, and, and many, many, many politicians. And and that seems to be what they're doing, but they don't realize this isn't just some ordinary schmo that they can just accuse and is going to be befuddled and isn't going to have a response and it's going to shrink away. But this is the, the height of confrontation for Christ, for Jesus. There's, there's nowhere else to go now that his family is, is coming to seize him and and the, the leadership structure uh, is is out to get him. This is, you know, he's got really nowhere else to go. And so we see here that he changes his tactics tactics concerning how he generally speaks to to the Jews here. It says. Verse 23, he called them to him, and he said to them in parables. This is the first parable in the New Testament. And this is now Jesus' preferred method. And we're going to see this in chapter 4, which is almost exclusively parables. And if you go to the other Gospels, there's even many, many more parables that are spoken by, by Jesus to the to the crowds. <clears throat> and he gathers them together to say to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? The kingdom is divided against itself. That kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus is basically telling them, this is, you're speaking nonsense. Gobbledygook. And it's not going to throw me off. You're not going to confuse me, throw me off my game, accuse me of something you are doing in the hopes that it mutes and my attack. No. Yeah, I mean, he said, well, why, would, why would a ruler banish or destroy his own troops? I'm not a, a, a great student of military history, but I do enjoy reading 
sometimes about uh, great battles and watching shows and such. And, and I've just never seen this tactic tried where you kill your own troops or banish them in the hopes of, of victory. I've never seen it. Maybe it's out there. But furthermore, if Satan is, is casting out these demons, he'll, he'll destroy himself. He is going to be He's going to be defeated. This just it, it, it goes against reason. The Pharisees, the scribes here, the, I, they're, <laughs> well, it, it's ironic accusing Jesus of being mad. And we see here that Jesus says, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds that strong man then indeed he may plunder his house. Satan is that strong man. Jesus is the omnipotent, the stronger man. And Jesus has been going around casting out demons. He is assaulting the gates of hell. And he is going to win. We know this. We can read Revelation. And the rest of Scripture, we know this. He has been defeating these demons at, at every point and sending them far away. We'll read about him even sending them into, into swine here uh, in a couple of chapters. Sending them off a cliff. Um, this would make no sense for for Satan to do against himself. That's just incredulous. You would have to be crazy to believe that. But Jesus is speaking here of, of Christ advancing on the kingdom of Satan. He has set forth the foundations of the kingdom of God through his apostles. He's starting to do that. And he is one by one, destroying Satan. And there's going to come a time, there's a, a predictive, prophetic element of this, when, uh, when Christ completely defeats Satan at the cross through his resurrection, and then Satan will be bound like he is today. Satan is bound. And the kingdom of God advances through the church, through the apostles, through the doctrine of Christ, the cornerstone. Satan has suffered defeat after defeat since this time. And that's what Jesus is saying. That the <clears throat> strong man is going to get bound and then the king of God is going to plunder his riches. One of my favorite stories is the plundering of the Egyptians by the Hebrews in Exodus. You remember that story? God has, has, has sent all his plagues upon Egypt. Finally, the, uh, the plague of the firstborn, the Passover plague, the killing of the firstborn, and they relent finally and say, all right, you guys get out of here. And then it says that the Egyptians started giving the Hebrews their gold and silver. And the, the Hebrews plundered the Egyptians 
who had been besieging them for 400 years, and they plundered them. As, it's as if the Egyptians were saying, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't want you coming back. We don't want you getting in the middle of the wilderness and saying, you know what, we have no money, we have nothing. And so we're going to give you all of our gold and silver so that you guys can just stay away. And that's what the, the church has in effect done as Satan has been bound for these 2,000 years and the church has grown from a little mustard seed. And now all the, the birds of the air can, can perch on that tree. Birds from all over the world. And then we must, we must understand what, what, what our condition was before this kingdom advance where Jesus is speaking of, of things in the future in a sense and, and we have to understand you know Satan has has had reign he is the prince of this earth God tells us that and he has enslaved men from the beginning he uses guile and slander and greed and lust Covetousness, idolatry, just sins of all kinds, which we were powerless against. We were slaves of Satan and sin. We couldn't do anything except for Christ. Except for His goodness, His work on the cross. We were powerless against against Satan. He was had such a hold on this world, such a seizure of this world. And Jesus is telling him, No, no, no. I am not Beelzebub. Beelzebub would not do this. I am destroying Satan and his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is going to advance. And then he speaks to them in judgment. <clears throat> Verse 28, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, for they had said, He has an unclean spirit. So Jesus is... is, is kind of expanding a little bit the definition of, of blasphemy as it is his prerogative. You know, the, the third commandment was don't take the Lord's name in vain and, and that can be through being flippant, you know. Uh, there's a million different ways of being flippant with the, the name of the Lord. Um, uh, and that's even... He's even talking about those who would flagrantly disrespect, who know full well that they're flagrantly disrespecting the Word of God. Those blasphemies can be can be forgiven. But this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is is different. It's 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 not forgivable. Why? Well consider 
throne room of God before all of all of creation, and you've got the head cherub, Lucifer. I'm not sure if his name was Lucifer, what they called his name, but he's there in the throne room of God, protecting. As if God needs protection, but it's an image that He gives us. And then just before creation, I don't know when that is because time don't think it even existed at that point. But just before creation, Satan looks around at the majesty and 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 the beauty and the power and the glory of God, and he says, "I can do better." And he takes a third of the of the angels with him, and that is their forgiveness. For Satan and his demons, can they be? No. I mean, they they've been there. They've seen the glory of God. And these Pharisees have seen the Holy Spirit working miracles, casting out demons. They've seen Christ forgiving sin. Or they've had credible witness to this. And in fact, they assume that Jesus has this power and can do these works. They don't dispute it. Oh, he cast out demons. They admit it. But, when you ascribe the clear work of the Holy Spirit to Satan, God draws that line in the sand. And I know some folks this is very discomforting. Have I have I done that? Have I have I ever blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Am I am I doomed? Am I and my damned is their forgiveness. If you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you don't care. That's not a question you would ask. It doesn't seem. If you're worried about, as a child of God, if you sin to sin that there's no forgiveness for, repent and trust in Christ. Your concern is more likely evidence of, of the Holy Spirit convicting you. And and from here on out, mentioned a little bit before, he's gonna change his approach pretty much through parables. Um, by this blasphemy. The, the Pharisees, the scribes, they, they condemn themselves. They are mad, seething brutes. Not Jesus. And, and, and such are us until Christ changes us. So we can't be proud about it. But uh, They are mad, seething brutes. And as such, they're only parables can be, can be spoken to them. They've been given the clear teaching of Christ. Then they call him the prince of the demons. So, his family finally gets there, I believe, verse 20. To, you know, it's speaking of them hearing about it. And, it, it, you know, they don't just uh, 
get in their Chevy and 10 minutes later get across uh, town. You know, it takes a little while to get there. And so, uh, starting in verse 31, his mother and his brothers came, they arrived, and they're standing outside, and they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. This, so the episode of his family kind of brackets this whole section. It begins with his family hearing about it and being concerned and coming and saying he's mad. And now here they are. They're, they're at the house. They're outside the house. And the people in the house say, hey, your, your family's here. And, and Jesus takes this, this time to demonstrate a, a deep and profound spiritual truth. And, you know, earlier, named as 12, he began the, the formation of, of this new kingdom, uh, building its framework, its foundation with the, the Christ and the apostles and their teachings going to be the chief cornerstone. And now he's speaking to the individual people who are going to be his children in this new kingdom. And he explains that uh, being a child of God isn't just strictly a biological thing. You're not just born a Hebrew and then that's it. And that's never really been the case. And, and what Jesus is doing is just kind of fine-tuning things. The covenant's always been the same. But the, the gospel's never changed. But he's telling them that only those who, who identify themselves by and are identified themselves by Christ are his mother, his brother, his sisters, his, his spiritual family. And out of, out of that understanding of they're thankful and, the, and, the, and they do the will of God, they work out their salvation as Paul would say it. Of course, as James, would, the brother of the Lord, would, would say that our works are, are something that flows out of our gratitude for, for God and our salvation. These people, these children, Jesus' sons, daughters, and, and mothers will love Christ and, and bear the fruit of the Spirit. They'll walk in the Spirit. They'll be known for their love for one another. And so we see that though Jesus is 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 rejected by family and friends and spiritual leaders, he's, he's beloved by the regular the regular Jews, the regular people that day to a large extent. And once again I don't want to disparage Mary and the and the brothers. We know that they and and the family of Jesus that they, they come uh, I'm not positive, I don't know if all of them actually come to Christ, but that we know James and Jude and and, and Mary uh, fully trust in Christ. But this is an episode that just brings things to a head. So we need to know, brothers and sisters, 
That even in the midst of all this opposition, we have Christ. What are we to do? What is, the, what is this text teaching us? That we will be opposed. By our family even. When I first came to Christ, having grown up in a nominal Catholic family, my mother thought I was an occult. <clears throat> so I would gently say to her, I love my mother, and I would say, Mom, if you would just read the, the scriptures and point out where where I'm wrong, I would, I would gladly submit. Um, but I, I think this is another... Uh, yeah, I had not planned to talk about Satan and demons so much. <laughs> I'm not charismatic. But that's what we're talking about all the time in the gospel so far. Not all the time, but quite a bit. It's talking about Beelzebub and demons and temptation by Satan. And, and the Catholic Church has been told that you don't read the Bible for yourself. Let the professionals do it. It's basically it in a nutshell. So a lot of parishioners have this kind of demonic instruction to not read the Word of God. And I have no comfort that my mom that I will ever see her again. She passed ten years ago. I do have comfort that my dad I'll, I'll be able to see him. He did tell me that he trusted in Christ and him alone. <clears throat> but our families even are going to come against us and, and, and we see that often. We see Jesus will teach about that. And leaders in society are, are going to oppose us. Is that not true? Are we opposed by the world? At every point, pretty much. You know, I read something the other day where this wasn't even a non-Christian. They said they, there was some movie or show where someone was opening up a Bible <clears throat> and this non-Christian said to themselves, oh, this is this is going to be an attack on Christianity. I can already tell. Because whenever the Bible's opened, then we know that it's going to be an attack on Christianity. And, and even, even the unbelievers can, can see that certain times. And, and we are <clears throat> in such a, a crazy day. You know, even when we stand for Christ and we stand against a abortion and the mutilation of children, we're, we're opposed for, for that. When we just say we don't want babies murdered and we don't want them mutilated. Uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Any stand for Christ and, and His righteousness is, is going to be fought. And I can only believe that, especially through those issues, the murdering of babies and 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 child mutilation. I mean, those are that's demonic. I mean, when people believe that you know you can murder babies, and then they believe that the ones you don't murder that you can mutilate them. That's a direct attack. That's demonic. That's a direct attack on on man being made in God's image. That's what Satan does throughout Scripture: is deface man. 
and the babies they don't murder. They want to make it so they can never have children made in the image of God. And it is so horrible to see. I, I have to deal with it uh, quite a bit through people I know who work uh, to try and overturn this craziness and and just the demonic letters and things they get, phone calls. Uh, it's frightening. We will be opposed at every point. We'll be opposed by cults and and other religions and everything. But in the midst of all of this, there's one who will not oppose us. Christ has promised to be with us. We are His family. We are the family of God and He is with us and we're promised uh, from back in the Old Testament and uh, the word Jesus itself, Emmanuel, is, is, is God with us. What does Jesus tell the disciples in Matthew 28? All power and authority has been given unto me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things I have told you. And I am with you. Always. Even unto the end of the age. We have that pearl of great price. We have Christ. And if all we have is Christ, that's all we need. I just am so comforted <coughs> by that truth. And and oftentimes, young men, I like to say to them, if there's just two things to, to watch is, is that you know you obviously trust in Christ and Him alone. And you find yourself a wife who loves Christ. And not only that, you find yourself a wife who doesn't shrink when times get tough. When you're opposed from every direction. When the gates of hell are coming against you, you have a wife who stands with you and will not turn the other way. That is so wonderful to have that knowledge in your life that the whole world can be against me, but I can stand with my wife. And that is enough. How much more are these problems talking about this way? How much more argument that we have Christ. Us in Christ against the whole world, as it's been said, is a mismatch. The world does not stand a chance. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for your word and the, and the truth that, yes, this world is not for us. But our great comfort in life is Christ and what he has done for us. Bless the rest of our worship. Bless our week. And, and bless all of our friends, family, neighbors, and nation, Lord. In your son's name. Amen.